I spoke at an event on the Isle of Wight last Sunday. He said the speaker was Chris Duffel, which I thought was quite nice. It's in a duffel coat. Usually people do get in a bit of a pickle about who I am, uh, my name. Uh, my name is Chris Duffett, often introduced as Chris Dufay. <laughs> Very nice. For a speaker, I, I, honestly, I spoke at a youth event where they were really excited, and they were like, the speaker is Chris Stuffett! I was like, oh, that sounds very nice, Stuffett. Um, there was one event where there was a bit of a typo. He said, uh, the speaker is Christ's duvet. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> I often get to speak at events because I'm president of the Baptist Union of Great Britain. So I take... Thank you. Thanks, Ian. Hooray. <laughs> Come on. Let's, let's have a five. There we are. Oh, yeah. There's two of us excited about it. <laughs> Maybe three or four. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I get to the front where people are getting ready, and I'm like, hi. And they're like, yes. I'm like, hi, my name's Chris. And they're like, yes. Right, uh, my name is Chris Duffett. <gasps> oh, you're Chris You're Chris Duffett? Really? You're Chris Duffett? So it's a bit of a shock to people when I turn up to speak. Um, a, real, a real honour to do what I do within the Baptist Union of Great Britain. There's 20 ordained evangelists, and I'm one, compared to 1,601 ordained pastors. So it's a real treat to be able to share something of my heart and the theme that I've got this year is to say, will you be big-hearted enough to let others in on what we've got? Will you be big-hearted enough to show and share and demonstrate the good news of Jesus? I would have called this tour evangelism, but then no one would have turned up, (laughs) seriously. So uh, I've called it big-hearted. I've got some amazing news to share and I want to pass it on Uh, and I'm encouraging every single Baptist that dares to come and work with me this year to to pass on good news. Are you ready? It's a baton, okay, I'm not going to hurt you. Are you ready? You know, just pass it on to let others know something of the good news of Jesus. I like this. I've got a feeling it's going to, that's great. You see, most people in the UK haven't got a clue what it means to be a Christian, let alone a Baptist, an Anglican, Methodist, or Pente, or whatever. So I just love it when people get it. I mean, I'm, I'm known in Peterborough as the free hug man. Uh, I work as the city centre chaplain there. I've brought my free hug sign with me. Uh, <laughs> steady on, Lee. And, And without stretching the evangelistic truth in any way, I have hugged thousands of people, most of whom don't know that they are loved. So most people that I meet, most people in Camborne around us won't know that they are loved by God. They they won't know that there is a God who wonderfully, beautifully knows everything of their lives and has given the very best for them. So I do things like that as an evangelist. I I work as an artist. This is one of my projects in Norwich. It's called Before I Die. Uh, Literally, I mean, hundreds of people took part. The baton's coming back to me, isn't it? I like that. Um, 
And I just ask people, what would you, what, before you die, what do you want to do? Thank you. Right, I'm going to have to keep passing it around. There we go, Peter. <laughs> the good news. One, one young lady, she, she was messing about with her mates, and she, she wrote some stuff on my big blackboard. And I said, oh, you, you can't write, uh, you, you can't do that, because there's going to be kids around. So I had to kind of brush it off. Yeah. And she said, okay, could I write up something? I said, yeah, of course. She said, uh, before I die, I want to tell people my story. And I said, and I wish I hadn't, I'll listen to your story. And I have never heard such a crappy, broken, ugly, abusive story in my life from a 14-year-old girl. It was awful. But she, she hung out with me for the rest of the day with her mates. Uh, we just sat around, ended up praying together. They ended up getting something of this good news of Jesus. Uh, one man came along, and on, this was on the Saturday. And on Friday, it just got full. There was no room left. And loads of people, you know, before I die. One, one person, young person had put, before I die, I want to stop self-harming. And then gave me back a bit of chalk and said, what do, what do I do now? I said, well, um, we can pray if you like. She said, oh, I've never done that before. I said, it's all right. We can just talk, talk to God. Anyway, one, one man came along on the Saturday and I'd wiped it clean. And he said, oh, where's it all gone? I said, oh, I've had to wipe it off. He goes, oh, that gave me such hope. I read, I read it all yesterday. He said, could I write something today? He said, of course. And he knelt down and he wrote, before I die, I want to have lived a full life and not cut it short. Gave me back the chalk. I said, oh, how come you've written that? He said, well, to be honest, I want to kill myself. And I've been thinking of suicide all month. And we got talking. And he left the conversation saying, you've given me some hope. Thank you. So I love it when people get it. They get something of what you and I've got. Because it's good. Uh, I've brought some, some books. I've written a book for this year. It's called Big Hearted. They're over here. I've written it with a guy called Simon Gardard. It looks at what does it mean to serve a big-hearted God, be big-hearted church? What does it mean to do big-hearted evangelism? Uh, I've brought a book uh, called Smack Heads and Fat Cats as well. Um, I just want you to know as Camborne Church that three years ago when we moved to the east of England, and I must admit I did feel like a right idiot because I had nothing in my diary, you know, I was like, oh, what am I doing? Um, and Peter invited me to share about my book, Smackheads and Fat Cats, you know, three minutes, Sunday morning. And it encouraged me. It was the only thing in my diary. <laughs> but it, it blessed me. It was amazing. You know, just fresh, freshly moved. And I got to share uh, about my book. I've also written with the Bible Society something called Big Hearted Life. And they're trying to be a bit trendy. Make life, life with a Y. Uh, <laughs> it's coming around again. I think I'll just keep hold of it. Just, it's really warm. Slightly smelly. But it's warm. That's, that's great. The new, good news has gone around. So Big Hearted Life, the vision of that is to take the Bible out of the pew, or the chair, into the pub, out of the church, into the cafe. And it's a it's small group study, ideal for your home groups. Just go and study amongst people who haven't got a clue about Jesus. People have done it, and surprise, surprise, 
people would be eavesdropping. They'd be like, oh, what's that? What's that book you're studying? What's that you're saying? Uh, and there's some challenges in there as well. Uh, as part of the Big Hearted Tour, I haven't just been talking about evangelism. I've been doing it. I mean, this blows me away because the two bouncers that worked with me on my red carpet, they had tickets to the Leicester Tigers final. So this is in Leicester, city centre. Loads of people walked the red carpet. Women dressed in their full Muslim dress walked it eyes sparkling as we cheered them and some of them wanted to know why why we would consider them as vips kids walk in the red carpet all like this to begin with and we go yeah woo! so they do it again and again and again and at the end they're like yay (laughs) but we just you know people want to know why do you think i'm a very important person I set up a green maze with some treasure in the middle, a bit cheesy because in the treasure chest, as people find their way to the middle, there's a mirror. So they open up and they see themselves as treasure. Uh, Kids get really disappointed. They're like, it was just a mirror. (laughs) So we have a little pack of sweets ready for them, you know. But one young lady, she, she said, look, mate, I haven't got time. What's in the middle? So I tell her, she looked at me and said, mate. I'm not treasure, I'm trash. I said, excuse me, but can I just tell you why I believe you are treasure? She says, yeah, go on then. I said, I believe you're treasure because I believe that you have been given the very best. That God has given his son Jesus for you. He knows you, he loves you. He's for you. He thinks you're great wants to know you even more, like the best dad you could ever imagine, hoped for, wished for. She said, I've never heard that before. Never. Thanks for that. She shook my hand and she said, I'm going to remember that when I'm feeling down. And off she went. I must say, for me, that little conversation was a highlight uh, in serving as president of the Baptist Union. I've got to sit with people on the streets in my role, I've got Sunday morning, I took a church out in Derby. They gave out free donuts to anyone who moved. Uh, amazing time. Uh, just a, a wonderful opportunity to say, here you go. Here's something of the good news of Jesus. So today, my hope as we look at the word of God is that we will meet with Jesus. We'll meet with him through his living word and that we would then introduce him to others i'm sure we are don't get me wrong but we need to do it so much more we live in desperate times where people need what you've got you've got it you've got hope you know it yeah it's not easy but you know it but others simply don't faith comes through hearing Hearing through the word of God. Now, how can they believe in one whom they've not heard? Uh, So we're going to learn from 1 Peter 5. Uh, As I looked at the whole chapter, I kind of thought, what what do I call this? And last week, someone uh, quite famous died 
don't know if you, uh, if, you, if you know who I'm talking about. If you're into kind of leadership stuff or you've read any kind of leadership books, this guy was the leadership guru, perhaps one of the most famous Mormons um, who, who's lived in recent times from a very tight-knit Mormon community. And I thought, as I look at 1 Peter 5, I see seven characteristics of Christians. And I thought, I'm just going to have to nick his title here. Um, I, perhaps I was thinking about him too much. I don't know. Who's read this book by Steve Covey? Who's read it? There's a few of us. Um, and as I looked at 1 Peter 5, I saw seven <coughs> habits. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> of highly effective Christians. Um, Yeah, I've ripped it off Steve Covey, but I just saw something in Peter's letter to us. Seven characteristics, seven habits that will help us be effective. I hope I can get through all seven. Possibly not, because my introduction has been ridiculously long. Sorry about that. So these are the seven characteristics that I see as I look at 1 Peter 5. I see that... A Christian who's going to be effective in letting others get it is someone who's willing and eager to serve, clothed in humility, resisting the devil, reliant on grace. Someone who's helped by others. Someone who's willing to suffer. And lastly, someone who's full of hope of that which is to come. So firstly, willing and eager to serve. This is from verses 1 to 4 of 1 Peter 5. You've got the tension between shepherds versus the leaders and the overseers. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of a leader, an overseer, someone who runs it? You probably don't think of a shepherd. And Peter's here saying, you need to be eager to serve. As someone who is going to lead God's people. Someone who is like a shepherd. Then you've got the tension between serving versus power and greed. And you've got the tension of living as an example versus lording it over other people. So that's in verses 1 to 4. If we want to be effective as followers of Jesus, we need to be willing and eager to serve. I said to, uh, I said to Ruth um, about this, this presidential year, I was standing in Oxford giving some free hugs in the rain. And a guy called Shane, who is part of the church, he comes into the cafe. And um, Shane has learning difficulties. An amazing guy, so enthusiastic. And he ran up to me, he was like, hey, can I do what you're doing? I was like, well, maybe just watch a little while. He said, what is it that you're doing? He didn't even know. He just wanted to take part. And then, and then he said, Chris, I mean, I'd only known this guy two minutes. He said, Chris, can you tie my shoelaces, please? And I knelt down in the rain and tied his shoelaces. And I just felt God say, that's it, son. That's what it's about. Tying the shoelaces, washing the feet of those around you, serving. Not lording it. Not kind of going, da-da-da-da, but humbling. Um, it, was, it was a moment for me. <laughs> Secondly, um, we need to be clothed in humility. 
I'd love you to turn to people around you, maybe three or four others. Have a look at those few verses, verses 5 to 7. In what way can we be clothed in humility? And why is verse 7 key to all of this? I mean, we could talk on this all day, but just very quickly, why is verse 7 key? How can we be clothed in this? I'll just give you three minutes. Is that okay? So just discuss amongst um, the three or four around you. So just to remind you, it's chapter five we're looking at. I've seen some Bibles opened at at some other book here. It's 1 Peter chapter five. (laughs) So in what way can we be clothed in humility? What does that mean? I mean, that's... That's quite a description. Who wants, to, who wants to volunteer? In what ways can we be clothed in humility? To be seen. Okay. So it's a visual thing like you put in your clothes. You'd certainly be seen if you didn't in the morning. Uh, yeah. Okay. To be seen. So others can see it, you wearing it. Any other ideas? And what all aspects. Great. Oh, we well, like that. So linking it to the verse 7. Yeah. I mean, just picking up on that. Why, why is that key for humility? You've, mixed, you've, you've mentioned it, it. It stops like a barrier. Any other ideas? Okay, yeah, in your own strength, you will be anxious to be humble, but in God's strength, you can do it. Any other? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's deep. I think there's a few sermons in there. That's lovely. So anxiety is thinking more about yourself than God. Is that right? But humility isn't thinking less of yourself, he said. Is that right? So thinking of yourself less. Brilliant. Thank you. Wonderful. I love that. don't know about you, but it takes a degree of humility for me to cast my anxiety, my cares, on God. You see, I want to fix it. I'm the one that's self-reliant. I can do it. It's all right. I'm the one who, you know, I'm strong. And it takes humility for us to do that. It's key for us to have this characteristic of being clothed with humility. That we're people who can say, I can't do this. I just can't. I need help. God, I need to let you know what's going on. I love the teaching Paul gives us in Philippians chapter 4 about Letting God know our requests for everything, absolutely everything. And the outcome of that, as we cast our cares on him, is that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Let's rattle on. Um, We need to, the third characteristic, to resist the devil. 
You know, I find as I hang around with different groups of Christians, not just Baptists, is that you get two unhealthy extremes of the devil is absolutely everywhere under the chair. Or devil? There is no devil. I'm, oh no, that's old teaching. You know, it's kind of the extremes of the preoccupa- preoccupation with talking, worrying, anxious about the devil being absolutely everywhere and that which is, well, I don't need, I don't need to worry about that. But Peter teaches us for us to be effective in our Christian walk, we must resist him. We must resist him. Jesus teaches us that the devil's purpose is threefold. It's to steal, to kill, and destroy. Often uh, the devil is spoken of as the great deceiver, the divider. And sometimes it's in the very simple things, perhaps in your relationships, in your marriage, where you notice dividing, a separating. Detail gets in and you, oh no, we can't, we can't get on with that. Friendships break down. We need to resist that. But we also need to be aware that this isn't a kind of yin and yang approach to being a follower of Christ. It's not a 50-50, yeah, Jesus, great. Ooh, devil. Yeah, ooh. It's, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors. We have the victory. I love those verses at the end of Romans 16 that talks about trampling the devil under our feet. Jesus has defeated him. And we need to be people who resist him with that truth. Yes, he roars around like a lion. Like a lion. Seeking to devour, Peter teaches us. But we need that truth that in Jesus Christ, we are victorious. We don't need to fear. And in his name, we can resist him. I'm rattling on here. Uh, But the fourth characteristic is we need to be reliant on his grace. Ephesians 2.8 teaches us that it is by grace you have been saved through faith so that none of us can boast. We can't work our way. Um, This is a picture of my friend Carissa. Carissa worked with me uh, a few months ago now. And uh, we did... uh, an outreach in Peterborough on a Sunday morning. Once a month on a Sunday, I do something called Saints on the Street, and it's to be amongst the majority of people who wouldn't consider going to a service like we're at. And so we, we try and be church on the streets. And on this occasion, it was a little bit boring. <laughs> it was a bit cold. But we were just giving away sunflowers planted in little peat pots. And Carissa got really bored with it. Um, She is a student from the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministries, or as her friends like to call it, Hogwarts. And and she kind of sat there and was a bit like, is this it? I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll just talk to people. She said, I'm just going to write some things on the pot plant. So she wrote words of knowledge for people on the pot plant. Um, and then put them in the box. I went, ah, uh, Carissa, uh, 
shouldn't you write them for the people we're going to meet? She goes, nah, it's all right. God, God knows who we're going to meet. He knows what, what pot plant is going to be given away. Um, I said, oh, right, okay. Um, oh, okay. So we gave out some pot plants. Uh, uh, about 10 minutes later, a lady turned up and she said, hi, I'm a witch. And uh, I, I, tell, I want to tell you what I believe, actually. See, this is a bit of a God thing. She saw the Gospels in, uh, by the, the seeds. and So she told us all about being a witch. And then she said, so um, what is it you're doing? So we're we giving away pot plants. She said, great. Can I have one? And I thought, great. Here we go. Here we go. So Carissa, pass me a pot plant, will you? She just passed it. I didn't even read it. I just knew it. I passed it, I thought, there we go, there's going to be a word on there, a turn from your wicked ways, woman, kind of word, you know, a real corrective, got ya, kind of word. And she, she received the pot plant, she went, Grace, what does that mean? She handed it back to me. I said, well, it's the undeserved gift of God given for you, because he loves you absolutely loves you. She said, oh, I haven't heard that before. So that, that sounds great. She you know, took the soil, put it in her grace pot, put the seed in, gave me a big hug, and off she went. Um, she got a gift that day. I got a lesson. <laughs> uh, it was a bit like receiving a, a slap around the chops of my heart from God. <laughs> You know, it was a bit like a, come on, son, I love people. It's, it's, it's grace, the undeserved gift. I'd love to go on, but I think I've run out of time. Can I, have I run out of time? Oh, a couple of minutes. Woohoo! Let's. <laughs> okay, we need to be helped by others. Um, for people who are highly effective in our walk, we need to receive, and Peter shows us through this teaching here, verses 12 to 14, you see, he says, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as. Who does he regard Silas as? Can anyone have a little cheeky look? Peter regards Silas as a faithful brother. I love that. That benchmark where we're able to say, you are, you're my brother. I'm your brother. You're, we're family. Brother. To work with each other in such a way that we regard each other. To be real with each other. To say, I need you to help me, brother. I need you. You need me. I love the, the dedication of, the, I must say, the cutest baby. You know, just amazing. But what a reminder as Peter walked around. We are the body of Christ. Bringing that beautiful child amongst us. A reminder saying, we need each other, you know. I can't do this alone. And indeed, some of us shouted that out, didn't we, for our prayers. That we, we can't do this Christian lark, this walking with Jesus thing, without each other. Uh, I've got a great friend. I was talking about my great friend. Uh, he's called Dev. And uh, he, he spent four days with me driving over 600 miles, being my chauffeur 
in what we called the Pope Mobile. I don't know if that's allowed. He's, I picked him up. He said, hang on. He said, where is the presidential limousine? It, it was a battered escort van, you know, white van. He wasn't impressed. But he drove 600 miles in this shaking. That's only doing 30, you know. Um, but I really needed his help. And, uh, oh, it was just a great time. Yeah, I got someone to, to drive for me. Yeah, I got someone to do a bit of the, the talking and the setting up and the moving of the boxes. But I got a brother. Got a brother. Uh, I helped him in his business on Friday. I took the day off work to go and work with him, with my brother. Uh, it was a real honour, a real honour to say, you are my brother. Um, I believe that God wants us to be even more reliant on each other. You're my sister. Let me help you. Please help me. You know, you get the, you get the idea. Very quickly, to be willing to suffer. There's three themes I find in 1 Peter. And that's the theme of surrender to the Lordship of Christ. The serving of others. You find it all the way through. And then there's a a third theme. I wish it wasn't there. It's suffering. All the way through. If you highlight the whole of 1 Peter, you see it. Suffering, 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 suffering. I spoke at a church up in the, um, near Chester. And afterwards, there's a couple who said, oh, could, could we pray, please? I said, yeah, of course. And I prayed for them. And as I prayed for them, I felt God speak. And I prayed for this couple that they would be like a mum and a dad to those who haven't had mums and dads. They would love those who've been unloved. And as I prayed for them, the, 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 the man, he just wept, just wept. And afterwards, um, his wife just kind of went off for a, a cup of tea. And he said, oh, could we sit down? Said, yeah, of course. So we sat down. He said, what you prayed for us was particularly pertinent because our own three children, you see. And he just bawled. I said, yeah. He said, you see, our own three children, they've been murdered. And all I could do was weep with this man. Just cried with him. Just wept and wept with this man. Who was so full of hope despite the suffering. Despite the heartache. And Peter teaches us that we will encounter suffering. But here's the good news. He says... After a short while, and I wonder whether there's some of us here who need to know. It needs to be a short while. It needs to be tomorrow where there's joy in the morning. I need to know that this is going to finish. I need this to be over. And here we've got a promise in his word. After a short while, when you have suffered for a while. And then there's a purpose. I love it. I'm in the message describes it like this. It says, it won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. Um, that should say strong. If you've read string, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but in the NIV, it says the purpose is that we would be strong, firm and steadfast. There's a purpose in this suffering. Romans 5 reveals it even more, saying we need to persevere in our suffering. Why? Because perseverance produces character. 
I wish it wasn't so. Is there any other way that it could be? Is there any other way? But here is the mystery of this depth of being a follower of Christ that we are going to suffer. Don't get me wrong, uh, Peter, he, he, he shows this four kinds of suffering. Suffering which I've called ordained by God, as if God isn't sovereign. You know, I, he is, don't get me wrong. But there's suffering that is bang out of order, that we need to take a stand against, against injustice. There's suffering that we need to resist the devil about. But there is also suffering that is for our becoming more and more and more like Jesus. Like Jesus. And Romans 5 says, and we get hope. Hope doesn't disappoint. Very quickly, um, let me finish, if that's okay, on the on this full of hope. Uh, we need to be people who are full of hope for that which is to come. This isn't it. This isn't it. I'm not saying let's be too heavily minded that we know earthly good. No, don't, don't get me wrong. But we need to be full of hope for the glory of the new heaven, the new earth. That this is just a breath. The hope of the, you know, we pray. You know, we pray and pray and pray. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, yes, it's fully here, but yet it's still to come. The new earth, the new heaven, the hope of all things made new, all things redeemed. We need to be people who are full of that. Let me finish. I know I said that a few times. Let me finish. Let me finish. Um, I wrote a poem inspired by one Peter. So let, let me read it to you. It's about, it's, it's called Question Christian. So let me read it to you, perhaps as a prayer. See, I want to be a question Christian, a provoke hope type of one. Not a pain in the neck, annoying, or a sigh as I walk in the room, but a spark off question follower. A tell me the answer, Walker. I long to be a question Christian that others would ask me for the reasons, those who despair all around me, broken, bruised, battered by life's journey, may seek the one who oozes healing balm through the hope that dwells deep down, flowing from the core of my very being. I want to be a questioned Christian, geared up, prepared, not ashamed to say or cover it up, but to reveal the untamable, unimaginable, despite the heart achable. So I want to be a Christian Christian, a ready, steady, go, on your marks, get set, run kind of one, filled with a new strength to simply tell the reason for the hope that 